Jay, we've been doing this podcast for a while, and it's not often we do something new, but I'm fairly certain this is our first ever double feature. Yeah, I think I think it is. Um, yeah, we'll be four years in July, started something July like and June yeah. or something like that. Yeah. My wife is making cookies in the background, so if you hear the ruffling of parchment paper, that's what you're hearing. That's okay. It's a, it's a textural audio. Textural audio. But yeah, um, so Eddie is one of our patrons, yes. and he doesn't really play video games, but he really likes film. So at the tier he's at, he could pick one video game and one film. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's good. <laughs> yeah, I'm recording. Yeah, you can do one more. I think Justin's leaving this in too. What? I'm pretty oh, sure I am. Gonna, he's leaving it in, so you're good. I think it's funny. You good? <laughs> okay. So yes, uh, we gave him the option to to kind of do something different, and he decided to do a double feature. So that is yep. how uh, we came up with reviewing both these films. They were picked by him. Uh, so that's a little bit of background on that. But before we get into the double feature review, Justin, what has been new with you? Uh, a lot actually. I feel like I've actually like I've played like a fuck ton of games this week. Um, so, uh, show wise, I am completely caught up with uh, Demon Slayer. So it's like uh, two seasons in a movie. Okay. Uh, fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Like I would suggest anybody who has a chance to go watch that show. It is amazing. Um, I start. I watched like two or three episodes of that 90s show. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I only saw like the first one or two seasons of that 70s show, so I have like no like tie to it at oh, all. Oh, okay, yeah. See, I, I was a big fan of that 70s show, but that, that 90s show is just not kind of clicking with me, which is unfortunate, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, Game-wise, oh, boy. Okay, so first... Um, I played, reviewed, and or I played, beat, and reviewed for Spoken. Okay. <laughs> um, it was okay. That's basically it. Was just okay. It was a very <laughs> middling game, but it it had enjoyable parts. People are complaining about the dialogue, but people are idiots. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, man, what else? Uh, I started Bioshock. Like fully, like invested a bunch of time into it. I think I'm about halfway. Okay. Uh, so I'm hoping to finish that this weekend. Um, I started Sekiro just to kind of like feel how you've it would already play. started Sekiro. Well, I I just wanted to see how it would run on the Steam Deck. Okay, because so April seventeenth. That's a long way out. Oh yeah, no, I, I I played like twenty minutes of it and I was like, okay, I can play this on the Steam Deck. That's good. Right, don't That's stress good. me out. Maybe you think I need to start playing that yet. No, 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 you're good. Um, That's like a beginning played... of March kind of thing. Well, that's a lot sooner than you think. That's six. Um, that's true. That's true. Oh uh, man, what else? Um, I played. Um, oh man, I got a. F- I was just playing it today. It's like the new game from the Tango Works people, the people who did uh, Evil Within. And Evil oh, okay. Within Two. Um, it's like a rhythm beat 'em up game. Uh, what's it called? High Low Fi or something like that. Sorry, uh, Tango Works new game. Oh my god! Uh, Hi Fi Rush. Uh, it's okay. on Game Pass. It's it's a ton of fun. Um, 
I'm excited because tomorrow GoldenEye comes out on Game Pass. I saw an ad for that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I am going to be playing uh, GoldenEye this weekend. Okay. Um, other than that, oh man. Can't talk. Uh, I, oh, I've been playing Season. Um, it's like a very chill, relaxed game. It's interesting. It, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't really know how to describe that one. Um, and I've just, I've been kind of switching back and forth between a bunch of games on the Steam Deck now that I've got it like fully up and operational. It, mm-hmm. Like all my like PS2 ROMs on there and stuff. So it's playing like Metal Gear Solid 2 and like Persona 3, the PS2 port, the, the Fez. I don't know. It, it's great. I, I love that thing so much. Um, uh, it's probably my easily one of my best purchases in the last like two years. Um, yeah, that is something I'd like to get at some point. Like, I have, more, I have more interest in getting that than a PS5. I will say it is heavy, uh, and I've noticed that my neck has started to hurt because of it. Really? So, Look it down? Or, like, kind of just, like, awkwardly positioned with, like, a bunch of, like, weight distributed that I'm not used to having. But, uh, okay. but yeah, I, I think that's about it. I mean, I, I could go on, but my games would be like, I'd have like 20 cause I play like 10 minutes, see how it runs on the steam deck. And then I stop and I play something else. Um, but yeah, what about you, Larry? Uh, so for TV, I have two episodes left in the, the Dahmer show with Evan Peterson. Okay. Did you watch that? Uh, no, Michelle did. Um, so I like Evan Peterson and it's kind of been on my list. And so I'm kind of like working through my back catalog currently. Uh, it's a hard watch for a lot of reasons. I think, one of the things about it that I have enjoyed is that they have kind of shown like Dahmer's like, I'm not big into the serial killer thing. I'm literally watching it because of Evan Peters. Like that's like the big reason why. Yeah. And I feel like they've did a good job like showing his upbringing, you know, it's like kind of like diving into like potentially why he would do it. But I feel like they focused a lot more on the victims and the, the people who were impacted by his monstrosity. Okay. And I really liked that. Like, they had a whole episode dedicated to one of his victims, and it was like, it was sad because obviously we know what happens, but it was also like really powerful. I felt in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like, I'm not like again. I'm not in, big into like true crime stuff, but it's only ten episodes, and I have two left. I have watched the second episode of Chainsaw Man. Oh still, yeah, that's something I still it's it's still great. I really like it. Uh, I started rewatching Sword Art Online, um, while I was playing like video games. Like, so I have like the video game. I'm trying to again clear my backlog up because we have so much crap coming up. So I'm trying to blaze through <laughs> <Yep>. stuff. <laughs> and I stopped watching Sao after like the third season, and there's like two seasons I haven't seen. So I'm trying to get get caught back up to that point by having it go in the background. Uh. And then I started a anime that was recommended to me by the P called Trigun. I've heard of that. I think one of my friends watched. watched so it's only like or one or two right seasons, like 25 or like 50 okay. episodes. So it's, like, it's not a lot. Um, it's older. Like the graphic style looks more like early 90s, late 80s kind of graphics. Okay. Um, and it's basically about this like bounty hunter named Vash. But he's like a pacifist. He doesn't actually hurt people, but he's always like in the wrong place at the wrong time. So people think he's like this okay, crazy yeah. assassin person. So it's it's fun. It's 
I enjoy it so far. I finished Lego Masters Season 3. Um, the final three contestants, Justin, were all from the Great Land of Canada. That's because we rock at building Legos when we're trapped inside on the um, on those cold, cold days. The team that won, I don't think should have. They were in the bottom four, like they were in the bottom like four weeks in a row, and they're like TikTok people, and I feel like that kind of played into it. The team who I thought should have won was like a brother and sister. Interesting. Okay. So I don't know. I, I still love it. I mean, they all did great things. I just feel like. One team finished really strong and one team didn't finish as strong. And I feel like that team kind of got screwed. But it is what it is. And then today when I got home from work, I finished the final episode of the Gossip Girl reboot. It was canceled. The finale was today. Did it XO. wrap up nicely? No. <laughs> it's just even like worse. Because like, I've never really like been like into a show that got canceled. Either like yeah. I'll get into it late and know what's going to happen. That happened with Heroes. Or like... This show is like usually like are usually popular. Like I'm not like really like going into like niche things. Yeah, yeah. So it sucks. This is a really crappy feeling. <laughs> it's not it's not good, but whatever. Movies. I watched obviously the two for the show, but I watched my best friend's exorcism. How was that? Trash. Okay. Okay. Good. I was gonna well not good. <gasps> it is a lot. It, like, no, do not waste your time. Okay. There's there are so much better things to do. Uh, games. I beat one game. I beat Pokemon Sapphire. Oh, nice. So yeah. that's out of the backlog. So that's out of the backlog. Putting my Game Boy Advance SP away for now and pushing through all the other crap I need to get done. Uh, and then I played three games. Uh, the Forest, me, you, and Rachel played. Yep. Uh, last we're play again next Friday. Week. We're playing next Friday again. Yep. Um, we're kind of doing like an accelerated playthrough to kind of get through everything, get Rachel to the end of the story. So Sons of the Forest, ready for it. Um, I think the accelerated playthrough is fun because like we're all just like we're kind of like veterans of the forest, even Rachel now. And so like you're doing the like, defenses and she's doing other things. And like I'm like marking place in the map we need to go to. And I have like the interactive map I'm playing on PC for the first time. So it's nice to have like both those things side by side. So like I know exactly where we're going to go. Um, but I'm really pumped for Sons of the Forest. And that was fun to play with you guys last week. Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. I'm almost done with the Cell storyline. So I'm getting pretty close to being done with that. That game is fun. The, the, the worst part was is it really took until the Cell arc for all of the different like things you can do in the game to become available. And I'm like 12 hours into this motherfucker. Yeah, That's really. a lot. I mean, Final Fantasy does ask a lot of people. <laughs> But, like, you don't, like, you can play Blitzball, like, way sooner than that. You know what I'm saying? It's, like, like a lot of the mini games and stuff that you, like, kind of do on the side are, like, unaccessible until what I feel is, like, a really long time into the game. Yeah. Hmm. It's fun. I'm enjoying it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think this is a fun game. But it definitely, like we talked about before, it kind of feels dead at times. Yeah. And then I started Bioshock. How far into Bioshock are you? I had not played since you and I talked, but for everybody else, so they know, I killed my first big brother. Okay. Big daddy. And I have just, big daddy. And I have decided to not kill the little sisters. Good. I have saved two of them so far. The one you were kind of forced story-wise, and then the one after you kill the first one. Big daddy. Yeah. A lot of Fallout vibes. Which is kind of cool. A lot of Fallout vibes. Yep. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to say anything, because I... I know. Obviously, uh, I and, I, and I texted you, and it's kind of weird because usually I'll play a game I recommend to Devin, like that's how she kind of got into Doom. 
Mm-hmm. Um, she is played Bioshock and beaten it, and she loves it. So it's kind of cool. Like she's been like watching the stuff. So that's been fun. Books. I finished the Amber Spyglass, which is the third book in His Dark Materials from Philip Pullman. Those books did not hold up when I was a kid. Sorry, that's that's always unfortunate. It, that's it's okay. what is holding me back from reading those the S.D. Perry Resident Evil books. Oh, they're fine. As long as you go into knowing what they are, which is like the video game with a little bit of spice, it's fine. Yeah. And they're quick, too. These oh, ones were man. long. I wish those were in audiobooks. I would just have those on repeat. <laughs> um, I finished Don't Fear the Reaper by Stephen Graham Jones. That is the sequel that will be coming out here on February 7th for... Um, to don't uh hard to chainsaw i liked it um i felt like it was not as good as the first one but we've kind of talked about on this podcast before like it's kind of hard to recapture that magic again yeah but it's still a really good book a book that i absolutely love though was uh how to sell a haunted house by grady hendrix i think i started that like sunday and i finished it yesterday i think yeah yeah, I I, for, I didn't I forgot to <laughs> to restart that. So I'll, I'll you don't have, have to worry about what you were worried about. Okay, good, 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 good. But good. I loved it. There were things in that that actually kind of freaked me out. There were like the there's like two characters that are brother and a sister, not spoiling anything, and their dynamic at times like infuriated me, but also made me like sad. It was it was good. And you texted me and you asked me how I would rank his books because I've read all of yes. his novels. So I think my least favorite one is my best friend's exorcism. Okay. And that's not saying I don't like it. I'm just saying if I'm ranking it like yeah, most yeah, of absolutely. least. Uh, then going up from there it would be We Sold Our Souls. Okay. I think Southern Book Club Guide to Slaying Vampires, which yeah. is kind of what started me on this whole thing, but it's yeah. like in the middle for me. Then Horror Store. If you ever get the time, I know the audio audiobook person was not good for you, but I love that. But I'm a sucker for a haunted house. I I just am. And so that brings us to the last two, which is how to sell a haunted house and final girl support group. Um, recency bias, I think, makes me want to put sell a haunted house on top, but the final girl is like my favorite kind of thing in horror. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I feel like that book specifically managed to like capture something very special about the magic of it. Yes, and like also do something a little bit different. And, and but and like yeah. tie it into series that we're all familiar with, right? Yeah. So I think it's really tight. If this might change as more time passes, but I think. Final Girl Support is still my number one slot, but How to Sell a Haunted House is a tight number two. Um, yeah, I just, I like a ghost story, man. I really do. Like, there is just yeah, something about it. Especially in a book form. Because I feel like in movies, it can kind of come across lame. You know, like, like yeah, I think a, a ghost movie can be hard. Like, for every conjuring you have, you have <laughs> trash. And... <laughs> yeah. So, but in a book, when you're reading it, if the author is really good at like laying out the story, it's all in your head. So when shit moves or you hear a bump or like they talk about seeing something out of the corner of their eye, like that plays really well, right? 
similar to John Dies at the end. Some of the stuff in John Dies at the end is like kind of spooky when you read it. Yeah. But when you watch that movie, it's not spooky at all. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so yeah. I definitely think ghost stories are better in a book but movie, but that's fine. That's whatever. Uh, and then I started Percy Jackson Lightning Thief for my next audiobook series of like books I've read before, but I want read to me and like when I'm doing work. Uh, and then I'm reading The Bone Spindle by Leslie Vetter. Um, I to, I'm going to be reviewing the sequel to it um, called The Severed Thread. But this is like the first one in the, in the trilogy. But it's like a young adult um, queer fantasy world. But it's basically like a play on Sleeping Beauty. Okay, okay. But I just started that. Um, that's kind of all I have. The WWE Royal Rumble is this weekend. Pretty pumped. <laughs> Having some friends over to watch. Are you going to play Golden uh, Eye with them? No. And Justin, I need you to see this. Devin is making cookies for the wrestling party. And she's going to be decorating them. These are the shapes of the cookies. Nice. <laughs> uh, for the listeners, they are, they are penises. Uh, and I said that word. On a podcast, uh, Justin, you ready to talk about this double feature? Yeah, let's let's. Why don't, why don't we get into it? Let's dive in. So before we do anything else, Eddie has sent us in three audio clips, one introducing the double feature and then one for each film. So let's sit back and let Eddie kick things off. Greetings, Justin and Larry. This is Eddie, and I'm here to introduce my patron double feature um, with the season theme of religious horror. Um, it's such a broad one that I wanted to find a niche within it that not only tied two films together, but offered a vastly different viewing experience depending on which one you were watching. Uh, so I chose John Carpenter's 1987 Prince of Darkness and Pak Chan-wook's 2009 Thirst. Now what ties these two together besides religion is that both have science as an integral part of the plot. Prince of Darkness, scientists try to understand through their work an evil vial of ooze hidden by the Catholic Church for thousands of years and in Thirst, a priest in an experimental medical trial is accidentally turned into a vampire. Uh, both of these movies have vastly different um, feels to them, and I know that Prince of Darkness is all about dread, and I would say that Wook's film is more about um, how one looks at um, a condition, whether it's good or bad, um, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. So, I hope you enjoy them both. Uh, I have separate introductions for each movie with just little tidbits, and I hope everybody out there enjoys this. So, peace out. Bye. We have got to get Eddie on for like an actual episode. I love, yeah, I agree. I love talking to him. And with that, our first film is going to be Prince of Darkness, and I'll give a little bit of background, and we'll hear Eddie's message. Okay. So it's a 1987 supernatural horror film written and directed by the master of horror, John Carpenter. It is the second installment in what Carpenter calls his Apocalypse Trilogy, which begins with The Thing and concludes with In the Mouth of Madness, which I think we should probably add to our 
schedule at some point to have that whole trilogy kind of done. Okay, I've never seen it, so... Either have I. That's what I'm saying. I think it would be a good one to add to it. Yeah, sure. The film uh, has Donald Pleasance, who plays the priest, and Victor Wong, who is Professor Barack. Uh, Victor Wong appeared in supporting roles in films throughout the 80s and 90s, including Chinese sorcerer Egg Shen in Carpenter's cult film Big Trouble in Little China, Royal Advisor Chen Bao Shen in the Best Picture winning The Last Emperor, Rural Storekeeper Walter Chang in the comedy horror film Tremors, one of my favorite movies. I think it's a favorite of Seagram's as well. And then, because he wrote some blog posts for us way back when. And then uh, Grandpa Mori in the Three Ninjas Tetralogy. Do you watch the Three Ninjas? Uh, I not since I was like. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then because like we're doing two movies and kind of just kind of keep things a little bit tighter than before, there will be no six second summary. But I do have some trivia for the movie. Alice Cooper, who was in the film, originally asked yep. John Carpenter if he could come to set just to watch a special effect, due to Cooper's manager also producing this film. Carpenter eventually decided to offer Cooper a role as the leader of the anti-God worshiping street people. Ironically, Cooper became a born again Christian later in life. Alice Cooper used the bike impalement trick on his stage show prior to this movie. The bike he uses was his own personal prop. Weird. Very weird. Yeah, I thought that was weird too. Carpenter states he set out to make a film that was atmospheric and dreadful. At the time, he was noticing a lot of derivative horror films and wanted to try something new involving quantum mechanics and religion. I think he says derivative horror films. He means the middle Friday the 13th movies. I think he's talking specifically about part seven. <laughs> the parts played by Donald Pleasance, Victor Wong, and Dennis Dunn were written specifically for them by John Carpenter due to his enjoyable prior collaborations with them. The genesis of the project came from Deborah Hill describing a dream she had of a vague, dark figure exiting a church with filled her with dread. Carpenter developed the story around this idea in hopes of recreating the fear that Hill had felt. And finally, mercury was used for reaching through the mirror in those shots. Of course it was. <laughs> uh, and now before we dive in to our review... Let's hear from Eddie. Prince of Darkness. John Cap Carpenter in interviews has said that he's uh, really fascinated with religion uh, and was really influenced by old Hammer vampire films. He found it amazing that humans in these films could use a crucifix and spraying holy water and their faith, basically, to fight the vampires. He was also, at the time of this film, he had just been making some big budget films and he um, was really desiring to make a movie that was much smaller, that he could control all the different aspects of it. Carpenter said that he borrowed from Gregory Benford's book, Timescape, quite a bit in some of the more quantum physics, science-y kind of stuff that's in this film. But he also was influenced by uh, John Croteau, the surrealist avant-garde filmmaker and visual artist. Um, instead of Satan, I think what we get here is uh, the opposite of God, which is anti-God, creating an alternate reality where light and dark vie for power in the universe. Um, Carpenter uh, made a point to use German expressionism in his filmmaking, which tends to be longer shots and letting, letting scenes play out as opposed to quick cuts and the editing d 
deciding how the people are going to feel because he was really looking to make a film that created a real sense of dread so he wanted to wait on the shots to sort of let it things sink in let the evil fill us as it is the characters in the film um so i think that this is a pretty decent film i don't think it's a great film but certainly one where science religion come together uh in a horror movie and we get to enjoy that now the only thing i would say is in this film there's this room that is totally lit by candles in the underground of the church i want to know who keeps switching out the candles so that the, so there's always light in that room because as far as we know there was only one priest that was sort of guarding this place and maybe it was his job but who was switching the candles when all the scientists were there that's what i want to know so anyways enjoy the film and uh as i hope you like it as much as i did all right, perfect. So let's do plot. Eddie did a pretty good job of doing that for us, but yes. like he kind of said, a group of scientists is called to this old church because this secret sanctuary is found underneath of it behind a locked door that has this green Ivan Ooze looking stuff. And Oh man, Ivan Ooze. God, I want to watch the Power Rangers movie now. <laughs> and uh, the ooze starts to turn the researchers into these zombified demons almost i guess yeah like, lack of almost better like, words. like zombified worshipers maybe yeah um bug people i don't know that's so overall i really enjoyed the plot of this movie i feel like it was fast i feel like it didn't waste its time trying to explain stuff like it didn't explain why it was in the basement it didn't explain why they were it was just like very much like this is what you're getting and this is where we're at with it. And you've heard the word dread used a lot by me, in my notes, by Eddie. Like, this movie is, like, there is, like, not a lot of happy in this movie. It is, like, dark. Yeah. It is, like, painfully rough to to kind of take in. So my, my first impression of the plot is, is that I liked it. I thought it was fast. I thought it was interesting. And I've never really seen a story like this before. Like, you've seen, like, zombies with it, right? But not, like, a religious kind of aspect to it. Yeah, I, uh... I... <laughs> uh, yeah. that <laughs> I was not a huge fan of this movie. Yeah. Um, I, I agree it moved at a brisk pace. Unfortunately for me, it, I nothing really, like, caught me. Nothing really like was able to grab my attention with this. Okay. Um. It just seemed very. Uh, I will say I find that happens a lot with when there's like quantum mechanics and quantum <laughs> physics and stuff involved because I just I'm just like I don't yeah I don't care. Yeah. Um. So I I don't know I there was something about it that even like in the last twenty minutes when like everything is actually happening. Yeah, I love that. I, yeah. Cause I feel like an hour and 10 minutes was like build up and then yeah. 20 minutes was the end. And it just, because I had already checked out so much Okay. by the time the end wrapped, I was like, okay. See, I liked the quantum mechanics of it because like Eddie was saying, it's like a tie between like religion and science. Right. Yeah. And I feel like we have seen that a lot, right? The whole like faith breaks the science or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But in this one, it was a lot different. Because, like, the science people really never 
like broke away from it and our religious character who is donald pleasant's character like never really broke from his faith right Mm -hmm. it was like they kind of held their ground and they had no reason to bend because like they don't know what's going on and they aren't really once everything starts going sideways they don't care what's going on they're just trying to get through and yeah, absolutely. And, and like, I, that I was do, unique. like, I wouldn't say, hey, I'm not like, oh, I, I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> I just feel like it was, the premise was very cool. I'll give okay. them, I'll give Prince of Darkness that. I just don't think the execution was quite there for my tastes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, Plus, as soon as I saw Alice Cooper, I was like, wait, what? And I just, like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Okay. Uh, again, we'll, uh, so for plot, I gave it an eight. I really dug it. I thought it was a unique story. It was different. It it hit a lot of vibes that I liked. And like I said, I really liked, I guess before we can, I guess we didn't talk about the ending. I was going to keep that for how scary, but we'll say the how scary. We'll say the ending for how scary. Okay. I gave it an eight. Uh, I gave it a six. Okay, perfect. Uh, cinematography, you can go first. Um, there were only two real big takeaways for me uh, here. Okay. Um, that was the some of the stuff we will talk about at the ending, <laughs> um, like the mirror, the whole mirror scene at the very end. Yeah, and the transformation, for lack of a better word, the pregnancy scene. Yeah, and like the look after even. Um, that was one of the coolest practical effects I think yes. I've ever seen because this movie is very like, there's not a whole lot of that kind of stuff. Right. I thought the bicycle murder was super fucking cool. Okay. Like I, I liked it. I, I did like it. Like I liked how you, I, I thought it was cool. Um, but yeah, like her face in the blisters, like appearing and like her eyes sunk in there was just something about that that was like really hard to look at with how real it felt. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I mean that, that's the thing is I I think the for me personally the latter half of this movie does a lot better job when it comes to cinematography. That's not to say the first half is bad by any means. Yeah. I just think the more interesting stuff is right at the end because the, the rest of it is just like it's a abandoned kind of abandoned church yeah because we're gonna get into it in audio but there's some stuff that happens at the beginning of this movie that really kind of made me like apprehensive if i was going to buy in we'll talk about yeah. that in audio but I, I i really like the way that that church room was filmed because at least to me it felt at once a creepy cathedral Mm-hmm. and like a science lab and that was cool like it didn't like feel like it did it, it, it felt like it was both at the same time and i thought that was unique like it it never i never lost the feeling of like the sciencey part but i also never lost like the religious churchy part of it either and i thought that was cool maybe it was the candles <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i will say eddie you're not alone that's the first thing <laughs> Uh, I said, I was like, who the fuck is lighting all those candles? <laughs> I didn't even think about it. I was, I was in. Um, but the big cinematography thing, we'll save it for the house scary part, it sounds like, 
would be the final mirror kind of sequence. How did yes. you like them sharing the dreams in the way it was like a VHS the kind of tape thing they were all watching together? I mean, it was, again, I, I looks, I mean, I'll be honest, VHS does not look good now. <laughs> um, certain VHS, I will say. Yeah. Um, but uh, I thought, again, I thought the premise was interesting and we kind of got a little sneak peek or not, uh, not a sneak peek. I can't think of the right word. Sorry. I feel I'm fucking mentally You're good. exhausted You're good. today. Um, we got like little, what's okay. What they, they like mention it briefly. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh no. Okay. They mentioned the brotherhood of sleep, like very early on in the movie. And then mm-hmm. it is not touched upon until we start to see those dreams. Okay. Uh, okay. So, so, how they tied that in was was interesting, but I I don't think it looked very good. I thought it was a cool way to portray a dream. That was the part that I liked the most, like how at the end, like it, we we saw like what it actually was, right? Yeah, and like talking about how it was like them sending an image from the future, and like since VHSs were like what it yeah. was, right? I I. I I thought it was cool. I thought it was a cool way to describe like the way it looked and how a message would be sent back through time and like kind of hold true to what it is now, right? Like yeah. now it'd probably be a TikTok. <laughs> but oh then God, it, even, it was a VHS. Even. And I, I don't know, I, I found that to be a very interesting way to not only to shoot it, but to kind of hold the plot together. I I, yeah, I, okay. I enjoyed that kind of meticulousness. Um, so overall, I enjoyed cinematography. I gave it a seven and a half. I gave it a six. I also enjoyed it, but I, you know, that chick's flesh scene was like five points by itself. Yeah, same. Yeah, that was yes, exactly. Audio, Donald Pleasance is always a pleasure. Yep. I thought Victor Wong did amazing. Like yes. he was probably my favorite character. I didn't write down the actor's name, but the one who plays. The other um, Asian scientist. Okay, yeah. He was my favorite character by far. I loved okay, him. Okay. I loved him. I thought he was funny. I thought he was like he felt very real. Yeah. And then that leads us to a character who like I wanted to like, and there are parts of her that I liked, but she was tied to a guy who I just could not stand. Yeah. Um. There are some characters in here that I was just like, oh, really? Like. Uh, that I can't remember the character's name because honestly, I male lead. Know. Let's call him male yeah. lead. Yeah, he was just <laughs> piece of shit. His first uh, off, his mustache threw me off right away. So that <laughs> so that did not help anything. And like he's like a misogynistic piece of shit talking to this girl who's like super smart and like independent, doing her own thing, but yet like he's able to like get with her after he like creepily stalked her. And, like, we don't come yeah. back to the fact that he creepily stalked her. So we know he creepily stalked her, but, like, he's in love with her. And we're supposed to, like, have this, like, like feel we're for to it. Care. Yeah. And that ties into the ending where, like, she sacrifices herself, which, again, we'll get to. But, like, he loves yeah. her, but he creepily stalked her. It's not, it's not like, a, I don't know. Like, I did not like that character at all. I thought the oh, acting no. was, was bad a, and everything about him. I he was hated. a piece of shit. Yeah. Like, his I did not like him at all. Yeah. And I thought the acting performance wasn't good either, especially when he was opposite anybody else. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, um, I wasn't a huge fan of the. Was it the bug person outside? 
The person who got like swarmed by bugs. Oh yeah, like the, the reporter kind of person. Yeah, there was just some like more minor roles that I was like. And it sounds like you didn't like really Mr. Cooper. Who? Alice Cooper. Oh. Oh, Mr. Cooper. Well, he didn't have any talking roles, so you know, that's fine. I thought the people outside were creepy. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was cool to like like they weren't like homeless, right? They were out there for a purpose, right? They were out there to because of what was inside the church. And I thought it was cool how like you kind of took that perception, like like I know there's like like people like usually go around churches when they're having homelessness issues because the church is usually helpful, but this time it's there they're there because of the evil inside the church. And yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. That was again, the, there's a lot of like really unique things that I feel like this movie does that kind of holds like kind of turns things on its head. It also holds canonically through the whole time, and I found that to be one of them. But yeah, that the main protagonist dude sucked. I couldn't stand him. I gave it a six for audio. Yeah. Oh, the score is fucking awesome. John Carpenter did it. Oh. It's fucking cool. It's so fucking cool. It's so good. I'm happy you played it to kick this off because it is fucking good. Oh yeah, I well, I mean, also part of that is I can't find any music from Thirst. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I I agree. I, so I gave it a five. Okay. Um, all those five points are got taken off for that lead. I, he sucks. I can't, it, well, and that's the thing is you have to buy into the lead. Yeah, you have to care. Like, and again, yeah. that that's what made the final sequence hard. Is that like there was a part of me that really wanted to see her. Like, we're in the scary part. Let's wrap up the ending, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So the demon woman thing creation is like kind of fully transformed. The other demon people are trying to get the rest of the scientists. Uh, and our lead girl tackles the demon creature woman through the mirror. Mm-hmm. In a, one of the coolest scenes I think I've seen in a really long time. Because like we've, I, I know I have seen, and I'm sure you have too, Jay, like people moving through mirrors and it looks really crappy. Like I'm thinking of yeah. like Stargate kind of shit, right? It looks yeah, bad. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. This looked awesome. It was one of yeah, this did look the really coolest effects I've ever seen. And Donald Pleasance, once the, the demon, anti-god, the devil, whatever you want to call it, is trapped beyond the mirror with the girl before she can get herself back out, he cracks the mirror and traps her inside. Yeah. And... When I tell you, like, the bottom of my gut dropped out, I was like, wait, what? Because she's still alive, and she's just trapped in that floating darkness. Well, she's not... Well, yeah, she is alive, yeah, because we later see that she is the evil escaping. And we found out that the VHS dream sequence they were all seeing, the person emerging from that was the female lead. Yeah. So I don't know, like, because there's parts of the movie that, like, when the demons are kind of running around and infected people are killing people, like I didn't find a lot of that scary. The transformation scene terrified me, and when the guy's like trapped in the closet and they're coming in after him, he's like trying to dig through the wall. I got actual anxiety watching it. That that was very stressful. yeah. That was a very like I had a visceral visceral yeah. reaction to that as well. It was like Jesus, like that was that was a lot. But man, There was just something. Like, it, it, it's different than the Sentinel that like actually scared me, right? When that uh, hallway sequence like, that was like, scary. This was more just like, <sighs> dread. yeah, dread. 
Exactly. It was yeah. dreadful. And I thought that was cool. How about yourself? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. I think the transformation sequence was terrifying. Um, same with the mirror break. Well, we'll see the mirror break wasn't like terrifying, but again, it did like, it's the implication it, of what happened when the mirror broke. Yes. Yeah. And it, it was like definitely dreadful. Um, and then the, the, the closet scene, like other than that, I, I agree with you. I don't think like the infected people, whatever we're calling them, I don't think they were actually very scary. No, they um, weren't. Except for the like, one who was the... like transforming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I don't think like them like puking into each other's mouths was scary or anything. It like looked that. like they were spitting water between their teeth at each other. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I don't know. There was, I wasn't sure how to score this one. <laughs> yeah. Again, but. the biggest thing for me is, is the way I felt when he was trapped in the closet trying to dig through the wall. You okay? Yeah. Oh yeah. My back's just okay. And then just like the idea of like, you sacrifice, you sacrifice yourself. You put yourself in a situation where to kind of get the evil out of the way. You can yeah. come back, but yet someone jumps the gun and traps you. And yeah. that was just like, Dreadful. There is no other word. I gave it a six. I gave it a five. Okay. Um, do you want to review the scores after we do thirst? Yeah, let's do thirst. Okay. Um, so my notes on thirst. It's a 2009 horror film written, produced, and directed by Park Chan Wook, and loosely based on the 1867 novel *Therese Raccoon* by Emily Zola. Chan Wook is a South Korean film director, screenwriter, producer, and former film critic. He is considered one of the most prominent filmmakers of South Korean cinema, as well as world cinema in the 21st century. His films have gained notoriety for their cinematography and framing, black humor, and often brutal subject matter. His most well-known films outside of Thirst were Old Boy, the original. Have you seen that? I feel like I have, but not in a long time. You would know. Where he, he fucks his daughter? Cause he I feel know, like... Because he doesn't know I, it's his daughter? I don't think I ever finished it, but now I have, I guess. <laughs> Dude, that was that was a movie. That was a movie. And The Handmaiden. Uh, the film stars Song Kang-ho and Kim Uk-bin. I really hope I'm doing that right. Please forgive me if I'm not. So Song Kang-ho rose to international prominence for performance in Snowpiercer 2013 and one of my favorite movies ever, Parasite. The latter, which won Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival and the Academy Award for Best Picture. He was awarded Best Actor at the 75th Cannes Film Festival for his performance in Broker. Kim Ok-bin made her debut in an online beauty contest in 2004 and began her acting career with a role in the 2005 film Voice. Subsequent appearances include the television drama series Over the Rainbow and films such as Daisbo Naughty Girls, the Accidental Gangster, and The Mistaken Courtesan, and The Villainesses. Kim has received several award nominations and won Best Actress at the 2009 Stige Film Festival for her role in Thirst. It won the jury prize, Thirst that is, at the 2009 Cannes Film Festivals and was also nominated for the Palme d'Or. The film made... Have, have you seen The Villainesses, by the way? No, have you? Yes, I have. Is it good? Yeah, it's actually a very good movie. Oh, cool. I Okay, I never even heard of it yeah. before. Okay. 
Uh, the film made $13 million at the box office. And once again, here's some quick trivia. It is the first mainstream Korean film to feature four full frontal male nudity. Hmm. Interesting. The original Korean title directly translates to bat. There is a seemingly random brief shot at around the hour 20 mark of a blood red ceiling with a single light bulb. It's an intentional homage to one of William J. Eggleston's most famous photographs entitled The Red Ceiling. The 148-minute director's cut of the film is Park Chan-wook's preferred version of the film. To date, it has only been released in South Korea and France on DVD and Blu-ray. All other releases only contain the theatrical cut. I think mine was... How long was mine? I can look right now. I went for the library, so it was definitely not... <laughs> it was not uh, the special one. So you said 144 minutes was... 48 the, is the director's cut. 148? Oh, man, I can't... Uh, what is that? Two and a half hours? Over two right? and a half hours. No, just under, just under two and a half hours. Just so the movie hours. I watched was two hours and twenty seven minutes. I watched the the, the director. You watched cut. the director's cut. Okay, okay. Uh, I did not. So maybe we can talk about some differences if we notice if you notice them. <laughs> I don't. Nope. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, let's hear from Eddie. <laughs> All right. Um, this guy. Thirst by Pak Chan Wook. Well, this film uh, is a Korean film, and its plot, I am going to be very interested to see if you can pull off uh, and a, a plot synopsis of this one, because, boy, is it complicated, and it goes on for longer than you would expect. So, uh, with that said, um, I was reading that um, Pak Chan-wook, uh, one of the things he found fascinating was the, the idea of, um, of the... Of, Catholic priests doing communion and the blood of Christ and the body of Christ and that whole ritual of taking in blood, even symbolic, um, while while doing prayers, etc., etc., and that of vampirism, which is the taking of blood because you need it to survive. So I, some of the ideas that came into this movie came from that. Um, I think the movie is more interesting in that it really explores how the same condition with different people depending on their circumstances uh, you could end up being a totally different kind of person and that the the gift or curse of vampirism is uh, not necessarily the thing that's going to make you good or evil but more uh, where your emotional and psychological state is when you get turned. Because I think between um, Sang Hoon, the Catholic preacher who first becomes a vampire, and uh, Teju, who later on becomes a vampire by him, uh, they their approaches to that particular vampirism are very, very different. So um, I found this movie very fascinating. And like I said, you know, it goes on a little bit. It's a longer movie and has a lot of different parts to it. Um, but in the end, I think it's a very interesting movie that has uh, 
technology creating the vampirism in the priest. Uh, science, so science and religion, and it's religious horror in that they become vampires, and we get to see the story of that. So I think it fits very well into the double feature we're doing. And I hope you guys enjoy it. I know you younger people don't like uh, longer movies, but I think this one is worth it. Uh, so enjoy. Bye. So, oh, Eddie. Uh, again, we aren't doing a second plot summary because we have the two movies, but I will do a quick synopsis. So, Eddie did a very good job kind of laying the groundwork, but basically we have our and priest. calling us out. <laughs> we have our priest, and he volunteers to go be a part of this research study with this really deadly disease and he believes that his faith will help him get through it uh it is not he dies and they give him a blood transfusion to try to save his life from this disease and that blood had the vampiric gene in it um so he recovers and we find out that the way that he recovers is he has to continually drink blood and if he doesn't the disease kind of comes back he has most of the normal vampire rules attached to him. No sunlight, right? Uh, extra strength, thirst for blood. Uh, doesn't seem to have any kind of adverse effects to religious dogma items. Nor does he um, have the restriction of being able to go someplace without being invited. He is helping people recover. Um, through his missionary work at the church and the hospital, where he reconnects with an old childhood friend uh, and his mom and the girl who lived with them who is now married to his childhood friend. She's very unhappy uh, with her lot in life, which leads to the priest or vampire and her having a torrid affair where she lies to the priest and convinces him to kill her husband by, which I thought was like really cool, like burying him in the in a lake, yeah, and put in a house that was at the bottom of this lake and putting a rock on top of the cabinet or on top of his chest and then putting him inside of a cabinet to keep him trapped down there. Very interesting. Very there's 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 a lot of things about this that I do like. Um. When he finds out that he was betrayed, uh, he ends up killing her, but he doesn't want to live without her, so he turns her. She is an evil vampire, as Eddie mentioned. <laughs> yeah. She has no problem killing people. Uh, her husband's mom is like, in a coma, and she does it all in front of this poor woman who's like stuck in the coma. And basically, they're having, they're playing Mahjong, right? Is that what they're playing? And the mom reveals that they killed her son. And then she kills like, all the friends. Uh, the priest is able to save one of them. And he decides that he's going to end his and her life. But before he does that, he goes to the people who are outside the monastery and pretends to rape, honestly, one of the people who was his followers. Yeah, so they, they stop holding him up so highly. Exactly. And then he drives her and the mom out into the, literally the middle of nowhere on the edge of a beach so she can't hide from the sun. And after, I thought it was a pretty comedic scene of her like trying to hide. Like I, there was, there was some funny, like that was when she was trying to hide in the yeah, hole she dug yeah. and stuff. Uh, they burn up in the sunset. The biggest note for plot, and Eddie, I want to 
contend I can watch a long movie. I did go see The Irishman in theaters, and that's like four and a half hours. I think this movie would have been better served as a TV series. Uh, Eddie, I want to say you're right. I do not like long movies. <laughs> <laughs> I split this up over two watchings. Um, mostly three. Because three. Um, that's right. It did take me three days. <laughs> but that's, in all fairness, my biggest point to plot is that it's, I watched two and a half hours. There's not two and a half hours for the stuff that happens in this movie. Um, do you have anything nice to say before? I, 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 I I'm, That's not to say I only have bad things. I just, I do. I have bad things I want to do for, before. We'll do nice good things. cop, so bad you cop. Have anything nice. We'll do good cop, bad cop. First okay. and foremost, I didn't, I, when we get recommended stuff, I don't look into it. I kind of like the surprise, right? Did not realize it was a vampire movie. Yeah, I watched the trailer. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it started happening. So I'm a sucker for vampires. Putting that out there. Second, I'm starting to realize that a lot of South Korean filmmaker techniques that we've seen in this, we saw it in The Host, remember? Train to Busan, yeah. Parasite. There's a lot of stuff I like about it. But one of the things I don't like is I feel like they're they're very long. They're very long form. A lot of things are drawn out, which I think you were kind yeah. of mentioning, where maybe they didn't need to be. There are scenes in this that I love. Like their first, um, between the priest and Tang-ji, I think is her name, their first like intimate encounter downstairs, I thought that scene, maybe it was more cinematography, but I thought that was like very fitting. Like very passionate, he was very scared. She like she knew what she wanted. She wanted to she wanted to corrupt him. She didn't know he was a vampire at that point, right? Like I yeah. thought that that was very cool, and it really outlined like their characters' traits. I I thought it was cool how he became a vampire. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Like a, yeah. a bad bag of blood. I agree with you, I think that is very cool. And I liked how turned her after feeling bad for killing her and she just went off the goddamn rails like i thought that was funny which we're going to come back to the humor i think and how scary yeah um i i do so and i love the ending okay. that's the last thing i love the ending that that last when they drove out there larry loves larry loves love <laughs> as seen by uh blind manner not blind yeah manner. i was gonna like, say as but yeah. yeah, he looks through his blind manner and know that larry's a yeah. sucker for it so yes, you're right. Oh, yeah. Yes, uh, but yeah, those, those are my pros. Felt, those are my pros. Okay, I, I I felt that the story jumped around a little too much without like significant things happening in between scenes. So there would be times where, I so I know the uh, the woman vampire. I'm sorry, I don't remember their names. Tang, I think, um, Tang Ho, Tang Ji, something like that. Okay. So Tang Ho and the, and the priest. Okay, Tang Ho. Okay. Um, I know she's supposed to be like crazy, basically. Um, to say the least. She, the way she flipped-flopped between scenes was almost made it hard to follow her character. Okay. Which I understand that might be something they're going for, but it did not sit well with me because I had to sit through two and a half hours of it. Yeah. Um, and... The priest also seemed very 
not, I, I mean, I understand he's coming from like, you know, growing up with the cloth and everything and yes. then not really knowing how to handle himself. But then like he goes and kills his dad. So that is my biggest con for plot is that his father, who is a priest as well. Actually, it may not even be his father. It may just be like a priest. You call him father, so we all know. But yeah, I, I just, that's what I assumed. I, I did too, but now I'm thinking about it. Like maybe because it was capitalized, maybe it was like the pastor father, but whatever. That yeah. person is blind, realizes that the priest has these vampiric powers, heals and all that, and wants to drink his blood in order to cure himself of blindness so he can see the sun one more time. Yeah. And like he goes and confesses his murder to the priest. Yeah. And he's like, do you, like, where do you, where are you at now? And he's like, I will absolve you. And I wanted so much more of that. That was like one of the coolest interactions in the whole movie. And I wanted that fleshed out more. Yeah. Because he kills him. Just like, yeah. yeah. But and it's, then that's it. It's very brief. And I thought that was like, again, this is religious horror, right? And I thought like that was like one of the cooler things to kind of dive into and talk about. And that's why I think maybe a longer form would be better. Like, or maybe I don't, more. Man, t- I don't know. I gave this movie two and a half hours. I can't give it another minute. <laughs> or maybe like maybe more direction or like tighter yeah. direction, because like Midnight Mass is currently on our schedule to do. Yes. Have you seen Midnight Mass? No. I know it's vampires though. So okay. Well, it's got it's it asks a very similar question that this movie does. That doesn't bode well i know okay. you're, you're probably scared but yes. that is why i'm saying like in midnight mass yeah this kind of similar question is asked like a faith right of of believing in something okay. and what that yeah. kind of entails and the implications thereof believing in god believing in your father believing in family believing in your lover like all those things are kind of brought forth that, that idea of belief in something more than you when it fails you so in that regard i like it but I have to be honest, I feel like the plot delivery is not well. Well, not and it's only that. Rough, and like, it makes it a rough watch. It does. And I am categorically not a fan of the quote-unquote slow burns. I almost just spit my water out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it is, a, it is a very, very slow burn for things to get. Yeah properly moving and then the problem is is when it when something do, interesting does happen it is almost like <clears throat> they're like okay something interesting has happened we have everybody's attention let's hit the brakes and go do something else for 10 minutes and then it's like oh my god okay like i understand it can't be it's not i don't want it to be like back to back action but they gotta give me a little more i'm not a huge fan of the like flavor of life or variety of life i don't remember what it's called Slice of life. Of slice of life. I'm not a huge fan of it because I have my own slice of life. I would like to live. <laughs> okay. For plot then, I gave it a six. I give it a four. Cinematography. I can go first if you want. Yes, please. Because there is something very cool I want to talk about, and that is when they see the dead husband afterwards. Yes. And they see him all kind of everywhere. When they're fornicating, they like on the couch, on the bed, all that, yeah. He is just always there and always present because he is like this looming shadow of what they have done. That was really, really cool. Um, 
another thing I really liked is the very beginning where he's playing the flute. Oh, and just like chokes up all the blood. Dude, that. I don't know if I've ever seen something like that before. Like, because it was just so out of nowhere. Yeah. And it was a lot. There's a lot of like bloody gore in this that was done really well. There's not yes. like body parts ripped off or anything. It's just blood and gore, which makes sense in a vampire movie. And I thought that was done really, really well. Um, I am notoriously a prude <laughs> on this podcast and other yep. places. Uh, but I love the way they shot the sex scene from this movie. You hear to hear first, folks. Larry loves sex. <laughs> like, okay. the, 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 no, I, I mentioned I the first one. It, it clearly outlined the power dynamics. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah. through that sex scene, through the positioning, through like her taking control, all of it, it totally, and it showed, like, you talk about how we, her character kind of changes around. She's talking about how she, like, doesn't want to be seen, whatever, she's covering herself up. But we know it's bullshit. Like, she's, yes. like, and, like, she's only lying to, like, herself for some other, like, for no real purpose. And, and, like, if, and it just demonstrates that whole sequence where he's literally watching her and thinks that she's telling the truth. And, like, we, when, like, we know and she knows that she's lying. And I thought that was a really cool way. Because if there's, like, my, my problem with sex scenes, and we can kind of talk about it, like, it's Friday the 13th, right? It's boobs for boobs sake, right? It's yeah. To get the, the young boys happy in the theater. But this felt more than that, and I appreciated it. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it did a very good job of, like, well, well like you said, like, showing us who is really in charge yeah. without really, like, cle- like, without just, like, stating it. Um and the the like I guess attack scenes is what we can call them. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know. They are all really cool and well done. Yeah, I don't know. I I think this is honestly what I enjoyed the most of this movie. Yeah, I'm tied between this and audio for which one I enjoyed the most. Audio is kind of hard. We'll, we'll discuss it. I think, but like, yeah. I also loved like whatever. Like there were so many times where we shoot to him feeding. Where is he feeding off of like that coma patient who oh, he's starts just, like, the laying, laying there with the hose in his mouth? Is like like I I have seen so much vampire shit. Like vampires are my guilty fucking pleasure, and like yeah. I had never seen that before, and it was fucking funny. But it's also like yeah, why not? Like yeah, the guy talked about how he gave those those two girls a sponge cake, and he was so happy to do it. So he probably wouldn't be okay with this guy drinking his blood. He's a heavier guy, just getting a little bit of feeding on. Um, I liked how we could tell the passage of time between the priest's feeding with the amount of boils that appeared on his skin. And yes, I th- that was very cool. And I thought the way the boils disappeared as he consumed blood was a very cool visual effect as well. Yeah. And I mentioned it in plot, but that ending sequence, it felt desolate. It felt like she knew she couldn't get away. She tried anyway. The mom was just sitting in the back of that car in her comatose state, watching it all happen. The priest is just calm. She's like, it's like a perfect encapsulation of both those characters. And it's like the first time he ever like really took control, you know? Yeah. And because like he obviously he kills her and turns into a vampire. But even then it's like he gives her control right back, right? He takes away from a second, but he gives it right back to her by making her the vampire. And I don't know. Like, that is 
Yeah, cinematography is my favorite thing. I really have nothing negative at all to say about it. I thought it was awesome. I like the shots. I like them playing Mahjong around the table. I liked how it really showed like she fucking hated her husband and she hated her mom and she hated her fucking life and she just wanted out of there and she would take any opportunity to do it even if it was a priest who happens yeah. to be a vampire. Like there's just like there's so much really good storytelling being done without like talking or laying it out there and yeah. that's why I think cinematography is a strength. Yeah, I agree. I, I gave it a, nothing else. I gave it nine and a half. I gave it a nine. I'm right there. Yep. Audio. Let's do the con first. Score. Not memorable. There's not really a whole lot to well, it. Honestly, like I literally finished watching this movie today. <laughs> I couldn't tell you a single thing that was like score wise. Yeah, which is kind of a bummer because like yeah. you kind of think of empiric movie, you kind of think of epicness or whatever, and yeah. you don't have that. Um, as far as I know, you and I both don't speak Korean, so I can't tell how their performances came across through their natural language, but I can tell you as an audience member, I believed everything they were doing from inflection and a body language, excuse me, a body language standpoint. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Our our main cast, anyways. I, I feel like, I don't know if it is a character or an actor choice, but the husband I hated him and like and not in, in the way I think they wanted us to right yeah like when he like when she's like talking about her being on her period and he pulls her on her lap like that whole sequence yeah. one was uncomfortable but two like it didn't do anything for his character it was just yes, fucking weird yeah um so I did not like him but the two leads the priest and Tang Tang Tangji or Tang Ho whatever uh, amazing. Like, he was great in Parasite, so I'm not really surprised to see him be in this. I still haven't seen that movie. Dude, Justin, it's so good. It's so fucking good. I've watched it two times since it won the Oscar, so once a year. I don't know. Is it three hours? <laughs> no. Um, it's It's a solid two, but it's not three. But it moves faster. That movie could be watched in two sittings, because there's a break. There's, there's a there's, there's, there's a part where like the where it kind of like, and so I could okay. watch in two sittings, but it's great. Interesting. It's it's one okay. of my favorite movies ever. Okay. All right. Um. But anyway, uh, I thought the priest was amazing. Like his like you could like you could just like feel like his conf- his, his conflict and like giving in to his baser urge of being that fucking sexual vampire monster right but also like trying to hold to the cloth and trying to help the people he promised to help and like losing and seeing that his father whether it's natural father or whoever he trained under like seeing that he is corrupted already by the flesh and this like all this shit and then why and like i don't know like there his character broke my heart honestly like there was just something about his portrayal and i loved how tong ji like or tong ho or whatever her name is i love how like, yes, she was in a very unhappy marriage with an abusive mother-in-law. And she was not happy, but she was willing to even like that alone is enough of a reason for her to like justify leaving or whatever. But yeah. she needed more than that. Like she wanted to frame him <laughs> for abusing her, and he wanted to kill, and she wanted to torture the mother by having her in a coma and brag about 
like killing her son and like and like having sex with the priest or whatever like there's just so much about that performance and it it never felt evil it just felt malicious and i thought that was cool yeah you know what i mean like she wasn't evil she just wanted to fucking hurt her and i like that yeah absolutely yeah um so for audio i gave it an eight i gave it a seven and a half i'm right i mean again i'm right there with you <clears throat> i i think our two leads really carried this movie yeah I at this point I would watch anything with him in it. Yeah, same. How scary? Uh, it's not. <laughs> I was shocked Wikipedia categorized this as a horror film. This is a black comedy, at best. I think. Yeah, I would I would agree with that absolutely. I mean, I I, I didn't really take anything like i'm I'm sitting here trying to think like if anything really made me like even reel back really and there was and a mean, moment at the beginning at the diseased camp in particular where he threw blood up all over his flute yeah where i was like oh fuck like this could like oh shit but that was it this is yep. much more, like you said, that kind of slice of life, looking at inner, inner character relationships, looking at how they build upon each other, looking at how they relate to other people around them, like, particularly with a priest, like, losing his faith in God, losing his, like, his faith in wanting to help people. But this really isn't that scary of a movie. And obviously, no. when you talk about here... Uh, Horror is subjective, and things some people might be scarier than other people. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, Ex Machina is one of the scariest people I've ever seen, but some people might watch that and not even be freaked out at all. Like the idea of AI terrifies. Oh, me. the ending of that movie freaks me out. Yeah. So that is not to say that, but for how scary, I gave it a two, and it's literally for me. I don't know if I'll ever be able to watch someone play the flute or the clarinet or a recorder again because that was like it was just so violent like in that lit, lit like that candle lit room and he's all by himself it was i i don't know i dreamt about it after watching the movie like it was in my head it was i had never seen that before it is like on the the vomit shit always looks like goofy or fake or whatever yeah. there was something about that just didn't some part of my fucking lizard brain did not like what i saw <laughs> that's all yeah, i gotta say fair. uh i give it a one I I had nothing to pull out of this movie really when it came to scary, but okay, yeah. Uh, let's review the scores and then we can talk about how we like the pairing and if we agree with Eddie. Okay. So for Prince of Darkness, I gave it an eight. You gave it a six for plot. For cinematography, I gave it a seven and a half. You gave it a six. For audio, I gave it a six. You gave it a five. And for how scary, I gave it a six. You gave it a five. That gives it a here's Johnny final score of a sixty-two. Justin, that places it on our master list. It is tied with The Boy, OG Fatal Frame, OG Night of the Living Dead. Right below it, film-wise, is The Black Cat and Friday the 13th Part 3 and Friday the 13th Final Chapter, Scream 4, and The X-Files Movie. Right above it is Suspiria Remake and Halloween Ends. Interesting, okay. The scores for Thirst... Plot, I gave it a six, you gave it a four. Cinematography, I gave it a nine and a half, you gave it a nine. 
Audio, I gave it an 8. You gave it a 7.5. And, and for How Scary, I gave it a 2. You gave it a 1. That gives it a Here's Johnny final score of a 59. That ties it with two video games, Clock Tower 3 and Dino Crisis. The film above it is The Day the Earth Stood Still. And the films below it are the Blair Witch sequel, not Book of Shadows, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Event Horizon, Halloween 2, Scream 5, and OG Carry. Interesting. Okay. I mean, that thirst placed a lot higher than I thought it was going to. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, is like, that's why I like doing it because there are things about it that you did not like. Or it, I didn't like the plot, right? We both agree that there's a oh, lot yeah. of weaknesses to the plot. But if you can do well in one category, you won't tank. Yeah. And the cinematography in this film is really oh, good. Oh, held it together. Yeah. It's really good. Okay. Now, Justin, I want to ask yes. you a question before we move on. Okay. Do you feel that Eddie accomplished his goal of giving us two films that tackles science and religion yes. in different ways. Okay, why is that? Well, yes, because, I mean, you, I think, I'm trying to remember if it is, it was Thirst, where at the start, the priest even says, find him in, med- like, find your faith in medicine, go get some antidepressants. Yep. Like, that is... I, I feel like in a way these, I don't know if they tackle it differently the like the science versus the church kind of thing, but but different is, cultures perspective on it even. Yeah. I, I found it more interesting that they were, because from what I understand, again, I didn't really grow up churchy. I don't yeah. know what else to call it. <laughs> um, but from what I understand, it's always science versus religion, right? And yeah. here are two movies that perfectly fit in with the, like a, a perfect melding of the two yeah. where there's no fight really between the two uh, beliefs. Yeah. I also agree with you and what Eddie said. And I think for me, the biggest like kind of par- not parallel, but the thing that kind of juxtaposes the two is in Prince of Darkness, we have religion and faith and never the two shall meet, right? Like, yeah, I guess that's religious nice. people are sticking with Donald Pleasance and follow their religious path and the science people are following their science path and they'll have some interesting conversations, right? But they're not changing each other's minds, right? You aren't, yes. aren't going to convince Donald Pleasance that you can have time traveling and you're not going to be able to convince the professor that it's God or something unholy, right? Mm-hmm. But in this one, with the priest, he is actively questioning everything about his life yeah. and around him, right? And what what is just, what is right, what is good, and what science can do. Um, so no, I thought it was a good pairing. Definitely both religious. Oh yeah, absolutely. Maybe not scary, at least to you and I, but definitely both religious. Definitely fit the season. I am excited to see if he, Eddie... I hope you do this again, and I'm excited to see what you pick next yeah. season. I, I thought it was fun. For our very yeah, first absolutely. one, Like I thought it was, even though Thirst was not as high maybe as we had wanted it, um, I thought we had a good conversation about it. I, I thought it was a yeah, fun absolutely. 
that's just well, you can always talk good stuff about vampires, vampires and zombies, man. You can you can have fun, <laughs> sex and social don't commentary. Don't don't make me go through fucking Resident <laughs> Evil for six months again, though. <laughs> Please don't do that. Never. <laughs> well, I, that wasn't bad. It was. One it, was day. it was just it was just knowing that six was the last hurdle. That was the hard part. Yeah. And deciding uh, that we I were still... going to do the whole motherfucking thing. At least we can say really we played did. all of six. We can say we played all yeah. of six. I do still want to visit those side titles. Maybe we should. I like Revelations and Outbreak and stuff. I fucking love Outbreak so much. And now, now that I have a computer that can actually it. work, I would love to try to go back. Oh, yeah. To Hell yeah. Yeah, we absolutely should. All right. We're going to play a quick commercial from member podcast of Kaleidoscope Media Network and head on in to the closing. Ghosts. Split souls. Monsters, sociopathic villains, cold-blooded murders, and nightmares becoming reality. Does this sound like horror to you? Actually, these are all things that can be found in the Harry Potter series. It can be scarier than you might think. I'm Katie. And I'm Audrey. And on our podcast, Wizard Studies, we talk about all these parts of the wizarding world, and even some more lighthearted stuff. We can be found anywhere you listen to your podcasts and on Instagram and Facebook as Wizard Studies Podcast and Twitter as Wizard Studies. Now back to your regularly scheduled horror talk on Here's Johnny. Justin, tell the people what's coming next week. Bioshock. I am excited. Bioshock. Uh, yeah, because it is your first time. Yeah. Devin, are you staying up late tonight? I will be playing Bioshock as soon as we finish recording. I'll be hanging out with Devin until she goes to bed, so I'll be getting more into it. Uh, the biggest takeaway I can kind of give right now, and again, I'm just kind of getting started. Yes. You get your ass whooped. That game, like, I'm playing on easy, and you take some fucking damage. Yeah. Devin says it's because I suck. <laughs> I mean, it is, but, you know, whatever. I wasn't going to tell you that. <laughs> I was just, like, shocked. Like, I, I've been killed, like, several times and got sent back to the Vita drink. Hold on, hold on. You've been killed already? Oh, yeah. I would say like four or five times. I think it's because I'm not using my powers enough. Are you? What are you using? Uh, a wrench. You got to use your fucking powers. I want to save my ammunition, and I want to have like as much of those. Don't, don't worry about saving your ammo. Like, seriously. So I haven't not. spent any money yet. Like, why spend that on like health upgrades and stuff? Or do you only get health upgrades with the red stuff after you save? You the only get health health upgrades with the atom, which is the red stuff. Okay, okay. So, so I, money. I, I was kind of like Resident Evil, so I'm literally like holding on to everything that I so can. <laughs> I, I so well. No, I'm not, okay. This isn't like a. a, a this okay. isn't giving anything. Right, away. I trust you. you I get, trust you. you. You can get like different kinds of ammo for your gun. Yeah, I've, I got armor piercing. I will yes. use a shotgun. That shotgun is a tank. It's awesome. Uh, okay, good. You have the shotgun? I fucking love the shotgun. Yeah. The shotgun is my big daddy killer. I've been um, using fire and shotgun. So, use... You can, like, maybe save, like, your other ammos, but your base level ammos, you will get so much of it. Okay. Okay. And you can always buy it at a at the... Yeah, I saw it. Like I said, I haven't spent any money. I think I have, whatever. like, 400 bucks. I haven't spent any money. Your, ma- your max money is 500 <laughs> It's good to know. Okay. This is what we're talking so, about. It's good to know. Yeah, like, so again, playing stuff. like Resident Evil where I'm like literally hoarding everything. So you go to the final sequence and you're just <laughs> strapped and ready to go. So that's, I'm happy we talked about it. 
yeah, so that's next week. Um, then we'll have our Valentine's Day special. Justin, any last thoughts for the good listeners? Yeah, I almost forgot to mention. Um, I had an interview a while ago with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre yes. people. Put that in the show notes. Uh, and it, what's that? Put the article in the show notes. I'll link to the article in the show notes. Oh, yeah, I will. I will. I will. Um, and it went uh, live today, and it is blowing up my Twitter. So Hell that's yeah. exciting. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. And the last that's note that's I have it. is, thanks, Eddie. This was fun. I loved it. Yeah. I, yeah, I thought yeah, it was thanks, cool. Eddie. For our first time doing a double feature, I thought it worked really well, and I thought it was a good pairing. Uh, patrons stick around for the campfire. The question is coming from my wife, actually, and everyone else. Until next time, stay scary. The Here's Johnny podcast is brought to you by Larry and Justin. You can find the show on Twitter at Here's Johnny Cast, and you can find Larry at beaver la you can find justin at pickle thing and you can email the show at here's johnny podcast at gmail.com you can look us up on facebook at here's johnny podcast as always in the show notes you can find links to the discord and to the website we are also on instagram at here's johnny underscore podcast also in the show notes we'll have a link to the twitch and youtube channels and if you would like to support the show you can head on over to patreon.com slash here's johnny podcast every cent goes into the show and yeah we just really use it to make the show better again i just want to say thank you very much to our patrons Uh, you guys help make this possible yeah patreon is the way we support the show we are looking to get rich and like justin said every dollar every cent it all goes back in there's some pretty cool tiers so head on look at that but until next week see you guys later